Sunday, October the 29th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Wonderful. Okay, Exodus chapter 3. We're in this series. This is episode 5 of Living Out of uh, the Depths. And we're thinking about the journey that Moses was on and seeing in Moses' journey uh, a reality, a truth for all of our lives. We can so easily spend our time splashing about in the shallows instead of living out of the depths. But when someone actually lives out of the depths, something significantly different happens. When someone lives out of the depth of who they are, it creates a beauty, an authenticity, a genuineness, a generosity, an openness, a sense of wonder, mystery, love, hope, expectation. And when you meet someone who's living that way, you are changed. You can't help it. It touches you. And we want to be those kind of people for others, don't we? We want to be those kind of people that by our interactions with others, by our everyday coming and going, we see transformation in our lives and theirs because we're living out of the depths of what God's placed within us. When we are those people, we are a gift to them and to that moment. You with me so far? That's what we've been doing. The problem is, you can get it all on there. if you haven't. The problem is that we tend to live out of the shallows because we haven't dealt with what's in the the depths. What have you learnt so far in episodes one to four? Solitude. Something significant about solitude. Why is solitude significant? So you don't murder people? Okay, very good. So your heart is murky, only settles down in solitude. Solitude is a gift for that murkiness to settle down. That gives you a chance of dealing with it. If you don't deal with it, you end up being like Moses, who was having a bad day and uh, killed a man. Uh, his day got worse because then he had to dig the hole. Uh, it's just all a lot of sweaty stuff out in the desert. stuff. So. Anything else? Sorry, say again, Emily. Really good, yeah. Such an important point. The deeper that we encounter God, the deeper we're able to engage in the world. And the deeper we encounter ourselves, and we'll come to this in a minute, is directly related to the depth with which we can encounter God. So one of the, one of the kind of, one of the kind of things that just does my head in, you know, you won't have things that do your head in because you've dealt with your inner world. But for those of us who haven't, there are some things that's really flipping act, that's mad. And that's people that, that just every day ask God to fill them up. Like, fill me up. And then they come back the next day and they go, fill me up. 
And do you know those people don't look filled up sometimes, do they? And this is the reason. God can only fill us up with as much of our whole heart that we give him. So if most of our heart is still in that murky place and all closed off to ourselves, when we ask God to fill us up, we're giving him like a little thimble and God's merrily pouring it in, but it's just a tiny little thimble. No change here, thank you very much, because the only bit that God's able to fill is that little bit of heart that we give him because we're living out of the shallows. Does that make sense? As we begin to live out of the depths, as we begin for our divided heart, that's back to the previous series, our divided heart to heal up, there's more of our heart that we can give God. So Lord, I give you my heart and flip, then streams of living water can flow. Where did Jesus say they needed to flow from? Deep within. They'll flow from deep within. That's what he said. Anyone who's thirsty, come to me and drink. And streams of living water can flow deep within. The reason they can't flow deep within is that we've got half of our heart shut off. We don't even go there, let alone allowing Jesus to go there. And so we go back day after day going, fill me up, send the fire, do this, Lord, I want to be changed for you. And actually, we're just offering him a tiny little bit of who we are, and we wonder why that change doesn't take place. And that kind of does my head in. And the reason it does my head in is that I think there is such a better, different way. And we think that the Old Testament is full of all sorts of weirdness. But right here, at the beginning of Exodus... We get some mega principles that Jesus will talk about thousands of years later that help us deal with what's going on in our hearts. So when we say to God, fill me up, and he pours his Holy Spirit on us, we just get blown away by this river that fills our hearts. And that sounds like fun, doesn't it? And that's what we want. Yep, get your armbands on because the river's coming. Okay, Exodus 2, verse 1. Verse 1, now... Really important word, now. Now Moses was. It could just say Moses was. It says now. As a consequence, following on from all that's happened, as a result of this journey into solitude that Moses has been on, so everything that's about to happen now is because of what's already been happening. So you can't make sense of this moment in Moses' life without understanding the journey of Exodus chapter 2, which is the last four uh, weeks that we've been doing, um, and particularly the last two. Okay, so we spent the last two weeks in this series thinking about solitude and the way that that is uh, the God's gift to us to help deal with our inner worlds. You have to remember where Moses has been. So now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, what do you notice? Imagine for one moment you were about to speak on this verse. What do you notice? He went to the far side of the wilderness. What else do you notice? What was at the far side of the wilderness? The mountain of God called Horeb. What else do you notice? What do you know about Horeb? Can you remember Moses was up a mountain and received the Ten Commandments? What was that mountain called? Yeah, well done. So you knew that anyway, didn't you? Horeb. That's Horeb, yeah? Can you remember the time when they were walking through the desert and they didn't have any water to drink and Moses got his staff and he whacked it on the rock and what came out of the rock? Water. 
Where did that take place? Hey, you're getting the idea. <laughs> Later on, after that whole episode, and Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, what were the people at the bottom of the mountain doing when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments? They were worshipping a golden calf. How many calves were there? I have no idea. Just an interesting question. So they come down the mountain and they're worshipping these idols, okay? And then, and then God forgives them. Where did God's forgiveness in that salvation place take place? What was the name of the mountain? Horeb. And then a few chapters later, the Bible says that God revealed himself to Moses and Moses saw what no man had ever seen, which was the glory of God. And that took place on a mountain. And for the million pounds answer, what mountain was that? Horeb. So Horeb is a metaphor. It's a metaphor for the place where we encounter God and he changes us from the inside out. And funnily enough, we're not sure where Mount Horeb is right now, so we make it up. We're not actually sure the precise location. And in a sense, that doesn't matter. Because this is a whole metaphor for the way God deals with our lives, just like the well was. It's not that it wasn't real. It's just that, you know, a nod and a wink. This is Hebrew writing. It's totally brilliant. It talks about one thing physical and, and is alluding to something spiritual all at the same time. It's just the way the Bible works and it's totally amazing. And people that say the Bible's boring don't understand it. Uh, right there. A metaphor for encountering God in the deepest places. How did Moses get to Mount Horeb? He walked. I don't know. He could have had a camel or a donkey. He laid leading the sheep. Okay, why, why is Moses? Le- we're, we're having fun, aren't we? Why is, why is Moses leading the sheep? Interesting. Because they don't know the way. They don't know the way. Well, think about Moses. Think about what God's doing. God's shaping him. God's uh, firming up his identity. Why is leading the sheep important? Because he was about to lead the people for the rest of his life. And God's going to give you some sheep before he gives you some people. Yeah, If you can't lead sheep, all of us are people. Yeah? So, so Moses is learning some stuff. But let's go back to the main theme about getting to the Mount of Horeb. Where did he have to go? Where did he encounter Mount Horeb? It was at the far side of the wilderness. The place of encounter is not just in the wilderness. The place of encounter is at the far side of the wilderness. It's in the deeper place of solitude and silence. The encounter of God is when you've got to the place where you've got nothing left. It's just you and God. There's nothing else there. You with me? It's the deep place. And, and in a sense, there's so much echoes of Exodus chapter 2 here again, Exodus chapter 3. It's like the writer is saying, you've really got to understand what it means to really meet with God. If you want to, if you want to have that kind of calling on your life like Moses did, and that's true for all of us. Remember, I nearly called this series, uh, living up to your calling. Because our calling is about who we are, not where we are. If we want to have that sense of call that Moses had, we need to learn to go to the far side of the wilderness, to go to that place where we are stripped of the things that we cling on to and there's only us and God left and the real stuff begins to happen. So the scene is set. Notice what happens next. Verse 2. We know, we know it's the Lord appearing in the bush. Because we've read to the end of the story, and it seems so obvious to us, Moses did not know that. Okay, Moses is just walking in the desert with his sheep. And a bush 
was on fire. Now that's not necessarily unusual. But you know that because you're good horticulturists. And you know that the Dictamnus albus is a common plant in that part of the world. And it emits a very uh, volatile oil, a very, um, what do you call something that catches fire easily? Inflammable kind of oil. And so in the heat of the desert sun, it can actually catch fire. That's a real thing. And this is what it looks like. I'm not saying at all, this is just an aside really, I'm not saying that that's the bush and that's what happens. It's just that sometimes people say, hey, there's a whole load of ridiculous everywhere. That's totally ridiculous. Maybe it's not quite so ridiculous, but God can do what he likes anyway. So whether that's what actually happened or whether it was a different bush, I don't really care. But what I do know is that some of you will go home and you'll research that plant now to make sure if there's any truth in what I've just said. And it will be the first time in months that you've taken something that I've said and thought about it beyond Sunday lunch. And for that, I'm grateful because it shows that you're taking away what I'm offering, which makes it all worthwhile. Either way, who cares? What happens next is really important. Verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses did what? Saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses doesn't know it's the Lord. He just sees a bush burning and something about it caught his attention. Now, if a bush was burning, but not burning up, how long was it burning for? Maybe. How long had that bush been burning before it caught Moses' attention? We've got no idea. But it's an interesting question, isn't it? Did Moses walk past that bush on a Monday, go back on a Tuesday and go, hey, that's strange, it's still burning. And then it caught his attention. Maybe he'd walk past that bush for months. Maybe after many weeks of solitude and letting his internal world settle, he was suddenly more aware of what was around him because when we're in solitude and we allow the things in our world to settle, we can become more present. Was this the first time that Moses was present enough to see that this bush that was burning, which probably isn't that unusual in the wilderness, in the desert, because there are plants like the one that I just talked about. So, And, and in any case, there were all kinds of fires in the desert where shepherds and uh, uh, other people living out in the wilderness might have created a fire. So, but, but what happened that time? And how long had it been? If we're to live out of the depths, we'll need to learn to pay attention. Posture number one of living out of the depths is exactly that, to pay attention. And we can't pay attention when there is all the noise going on within us. You know when you're trying to think and there's just so much internal noise? Well, you're trying to think, and there's so much external noise. That's the gift of solitude to help us be present, to slow down, to allow our senses to recalibrate, to become more alert, to become present, to see what's going on around us, to learn to see things from a different perspective. When you walk somewhere where you have only driven, you see things you haven't seen before, don't you? Unless you walk with your eyes shut. And if you go on the train... You see things that you've often seen, but you see them from a different perspective. When we slow down, when we 
recalibrate our senses instead of dulling them, keeping ourselves noisy and busy and distracted, when we become alert to what's going on around us, we see things that we haven't seen before. You see things for the first time that have always been there. Isn't that the truth? And you will say, I never noticed that before. And what you mean is, I don't imagine that while I slept that night, that thing got built and planted there. You're recognizing that it's easy for you to live a life distracted enough, noisy enough, for you not to see, not to hear, not to notice. There's this bush that's burning, maybe for months, maybe just for a day. But Moses, out of his journey, was able to notice, and he paid attention. But there's something else. What does Moses do next? So Moses thought, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I will go over. I will pause. There's a lovely uh, way that the ESV translates this verse. I will turn aside. I've not only noticed it, but I'm now going to turn aside and explore it. I've not only paid attention, there's this bush here, but I'm not going to walk on. I'm actually going to stop and allow what I have seen to take central stage. I will turn aside. So there are these postures of living out of the depths. Uh, We need to pay attention and then we need to turn aside. You always have a choice. You can pay attention and not turn aside. You can walk on by. Moses could go, that's interesting. And he could whoosh, off off he went. He didn't need to go near. He didn't need to investigate. He didn't need to explore it. He could have simply seen it and walked on by. To live out of the depths, we have to both notice it, pay attention to it, and turn aside and ask some deeper questions about it. It's like as you walk past something in your life, there is a door that's open and you go, oh, there's an open door, I could walk through there, but choose not to, and keep going on in the same direction. And often there are open doors for us, and two things happen. One is we don't even notice that the door's open, or we notice that the door's open, but for all kinds of reasons, we decide not to go through, but just to walk on by. So Moses does two things. He notices that there's this strange reality, a bush that's burning, but not burning up. And he decides he's going to effectively, mixing metaphors now, walk through that door. He's going to investigate it. He's going to turn aside. He's going to give it his full attention now. And we've all done that, haven't we? We've all done something in that moment of choice that perhaps we've lived to regret. So I can see an open door, and I know I should deal with it, but for whatever reason, I don't. There's a conversation that I need to have. There's an action I need to take. There's a rhythm I need to change. There's a habit that I need to bust. Whatever it is, you've seen the open door, but you can choose just to walk on by. And and one of the things for today that I think the Holy Spirit wants to do is to awaken in us some of those open doors that we've walked past, some of those burning bushes that we've walked past, and we've got so familiar with just seeing it there, we've never really paid attention to it in the deeper level. We've never really turned aside. We've acknowledged it, but we've not turned aside and headed towards it. And one of the things that happens when we see an open door and we choose not to go through it 
is that over a period of time, that door gently, quietly, silently closes. You with me? We see an open door. So we see a burning bush. So we've paid enough attention. We've seen it. But we've not decided to turn aside. We're going to walk on by. Uh, and after a while, it's like the bush doesn't burn anymore. Now, I'm not sure that that's strictly true. But what I think happens is that our perception of it changes. So, for example, there will be moments when you felt really fired up. You need to do something about it. And then a week later, you haven't done anything. And you no longer feel so passionately about that anymore. The issue hasn't changed. The facts haven't changed. But your perception of it has changed. Because we didn't, in that moment, turn aside. These are, these are moments in the early part of the scriptures that define the whole story. Uh, and so that they're, they're, they come back to again and again. Moses was this great liberator of the people, this great leader that led the people out of Exodus and through the wilderness and all that stuff. But the, the, the writers are establishing principles in these big moments, big principles that get uh, extrapolated out and carried on through the whole of Scripture. We thought that was solitude, didn't we? That it wasn't just that Moses wandered around in the desert. Suddenly, if you begin to think about what that means and the way that that's revealed in Scripture, you see that there's a principle, a thread that goes right the way through the whole Scriptures about living a life uh, that, that sets time aside for solitude and for uh, silence. So we all have burning bushes in our lives, Places where God is trying to get our attention. Okay, so far? Turn to the person next to you and just tell them how you think it's going. Hands up now. Hands up now if you would be embarrassed if I heard what you just said to the person next to you. (laughs) We all have burning bushes in our lives, places where God is trying to get our attention. That spiritual law of gravity that Sarah was talking about some moments ago, here it is, easy way to remember it, stop, settle, and see. When we stop, when we settle, we get a clarity that we don't have when we haven't stopped and we haven't settled. That's why all through Christendom, there have been tools and uh, rhythms that help us to stop, to settle, and to see the prayer of examine. You know, the prayer at the end of the day, when you review the day, uh, and uh, Lectio 365 talks a lot about it, for example, it's just an example if we're going to stop, we're going to settle, we're going to see what God wants to uh, show us. Uh, uh, the writings of Joyce Huggett, which some of you uh, older in the room will have read, uh, about the spiritual journey of at the end of a, of a season of, again, her way language um, is different, but it's about stop, settle, and um, see. Uh, and it's so important. Uh, and we'll avoid it because we're afraid of what we might see when things settle. But we need to push past that. And that's why the journey that Moses has been on is so important. What's happening to him now is because he spent months, years, cultivating solitude and silence. So what we're seeing in Exodus chapter 3, you can't jump to it and say, I want that. 
without recognizing all that's gone before, including the levels of failure and shame and guilt of killing someone and running away and all the stuff that's, that's caught up in that, the brokenness of his family, all the trauma that he had as a child that we've spoken about, all of that stuff, you need to understand that part of the journey before you see the reality of what's going on here. Because all of that has been settled and he's dealt with that, he's in a very different place. You can see that by the way he deals with the daughters at the well at the back end of chapter 2. He, he's growing, he's learning, he's becoming more his true uh, self. Stop, settle and see that there are burning bushes Everywhere where God is trying to get our attention, both present and past. Something is going on right now in your life, I promise you. Right now, I promise you, where God's trying to get your attention. Every single person who has a burning bush right now. No question about it in my mind. And you go, well, I can't see it. I don't know what it is. And that's the point. That's not to be clever. That's just the point. You can't quite see it. See, sorry, stop, settle, see. It doesn't have to be something that's bad. These things, these, it's, it's not, the burning bush wasn't bad. It wasn't particularly good in one level. It was just a burning bush. Kind of, these things can be all kinds of things. But where's God getting your uh, attention? So how do I learn to pay attention? Uh, well, you stop, you settle and see. And that helps you to be curious. To be curious. Be curious about what's going on in your life right now. Be curious about your relationships. Be curious about your circumstances. Be curious about your challenges. Be curious about your joys. Be curious about the opportunities. Be curious about the doors that have just shut and the doors that are about to open. Be curious. And again, with the past, we, we, and the reason I think that, that Exodus chapter 2 is so important, and he deals with so much of the anger and the hatred that Moses had in his heart. He's dealt with so much of that so we can allow things to settle in a new way. The past doesn't have to be uh, a bad, but, but those things will rise to the surface first and we need to deal with them. And then we can begin to see clearer where the burning bushes already are in our past. We can ask the questions about the journey that we've been on that perhaps we've been afraid to ask because of the feelings that they bring up. When did you most feel alive? What was God getting your attention about when you've most felt alive? When did you most feel loved? When did you do something that you felt really good about? When did you dream? And what were you dreaming about? What are you just good at? And people keep saying, do you know, you're really good at that. No, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. No, you're really good. No, I'm not. I'm all full of shame and guilt and stuff. When was the last time you said, actually, I'm good at that. I can do that. What was unexpected for you? What surprised you? There are burning bushes all over the place. But you only see a burning bush when you've got yourself to the where? To the far side of the wilderness. That's what it's saying here. He went to the far side of the wilderness and the only other person that was there was God. And in those moments, he could see for the first time a bush that perhaps had always been burning. You with me? What does turning aside look like? You can stop, settle, and see 
but not turn aside. We've learned to do that really well. Sometimes you might be forced to stop and settle and see some stuff. I see that pain, I see that hurt, I see that disappointment, I see that wounding, I see that shame, I see that guilt. I don't want to see that. I'll put the lid on that. And we're brilliant at doing that. Denial is a really powerful tool. It's part of the way God made us to protect us for trauma in the instant, but then it no longer serves us. And so we learn not to look at things, not to think about things. You will say, I don't want to think about that. You will do that without even thinking about it now. It becomes just a reflex action. So there are things in our past that we don't want to think about, places we don't want to go, and so we just learn to walk on by. The trouble with that is that we end up walking by the good stuff as well as the difficult stuff. So what does turning aside look like? Thousands of years later, Jesus captured this principle to help us understand what was going on in Moses' life. One of the first things that Jesus said is this principle that we're talking about. For goodness sake, see the burning bush, sort yourself out, listen to what God is saying, get on and do it. That's basically my paraphrase of what Jesus said in his opening remarks. He put it like this, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. Now these are verses that we've become super familiar with at Burlington. Uh, as we think about the way God invites us to step deeper into his purpose, which is what God was doing for Moses there in the far side of uh, the desert. We know that the time is not chronological time. It's not uh, one second, two second, three second, four seconds, but it's the time in the sense of a moment, the Greek word kairos, the kairos rather than the chronos. Chronos is chronological time, so uh, we might say moments of time, and then there are moments in time. Can you hear the difference between those two things? There are moments of time, we just had them now, you've just had 20 odd minutes thinking, I would just wish this would pass, and you're wondering why the time is just slowing down right now, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, how much longer? And that's what's good, that's chronos, that's just the chronology. And then, every now and again, maybe, one or two of you have had a moment in time. You've gone, wow. And suddenly for that moment, something has captured you. Do anyone know what I'm talking about? And it doesn't just happen here, it happens all over the place. It happened to Moses, the far side of the wilderness. Suddenly, he's caught in a moment in time when he sees the bush and he thinks there's something going on in that moment that is bigger than the moment itself. A moment uh, in time rather than a moment of time. And what does Jesus say? The time has come. There's a kairos and the kingdom of God is... Near. So there is a time to pay attention. There is a bush that is burning. There's something going on. There's an opportunity, a moment to be seized. And the kingdom of God is near. What do you do? You repent. And often we think about repentance as behaving in the right way. Repentance hasn't got really much to do with behaving in the right way. That's behavior management. That's what we've done badly as churches. We've said, if you want to be a Christian, this is how you have to behave. And uh, people can't behave like that because we're all sinful and we know that we shouldn't behave like it, but we do. So then we have to cover up the way that we behave in order to pretend to everybody else that we're behaving right. 
That's what happened with Adam and Eve with the figs in the garden. They're going to cover themselves up, pretend that they're all doing the right thing when actually they're not. And church is like that. So we, we cover it up. That's behavioral management, trying to do the right thing. And trying to do the right thing is kind of impossible. And if it wasn't impossible, you would have done it by now. Yeah? There are all kinds of things in your life that you'd really like to change, but you haven't been able to change it. And it's hard to admit that you can't change it. You think, I'll just try harder. And you go around the loop the next week, the next day, whatever it is, trying harder. Repentance isn't that. And so we said to people, hey, if you want to come to Jesus, you've got to repent. You've got to, and we talk about turning around, don't we? You know, you're walking this way, you're behaving like this. And you've got to turn around and behave that way. And all that does is just induce a whole lot of shame and guilt. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You've heard that kind of story before. Anyone been in my kind of churches? Repentance is about what's going on on the inside. Repentance is about a change, but it's not about a change in action. It's about a change in thought and in feeling. It's about what goes on in your heart and in your soul. And in January, we're going to look at this in a lot more detail. Repentance, metanoia. And you're thinking, that's amazing. He doesn't know what he's doing this afternoon, but he does know what he's doing in January. It's absolutely true. That's what we're going to do together. Because this idea that we can just manage our behavior is ridiculous. We just can't possibly do that. And Jesus doesn't ask us to manage our behavior. What he invites people to do is to pay attention and to think about what they're thinking about and to think about what they're feeling and to bring that in line with the moment. So Moses is experiencing the burning bush and he comes to this bush that isn't burning and he's willing now to to, to turn aside, to give some time to it, to allow it to do what the bush was there to do, to allow God to get his attention for what God was trying to get his attention about. Repent and then believe. Only once you've had your heart changed can you then live in a new kind of way. And, And that's a freedom, isn't it? To live in a new kind of way because you feel different. Yeah? To try and change your behavior but feel the same is really hard. Have you ever tried loving someone that you really don't like? <laughs> You've all done that, haven't you? Tried to love someone you don't like. It's really hard, isn't it? You do well for a couple of days? A hmm? couple of hours? A couple of minutes? <laughs> Something needs to change on the inside. Jesus says there are these moments where God is getting our attention and there's an invitation for you to change on the inside. For God to do something in you in order that he can then do something through you. And uh, we've talked about this uh, 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 a number of times over the years, the Kairos Circle. And um, I just want to share with you a tool. Uh, called the Kairos Circle or the Learning Circle, or you'll see it in all kinds of different guises, uh, um, that helps us seize a moment and do something about it. And you'll see the way that Moses did it way back. You'll see what Jesus is talking about here. And if Moses talked about it and Jesus talked about it, then it's worth us uh, thinking about as well. So you're traveling along your own sweet way. Yeah, this is you. Look at that. Thank you very much. I feel encouraged now. <laughs> and we have these moments, okay? They're not just moments of time. They're moments in time. That moment you go, oh, 
Suddenly you see something, suddenly you feel something. It could be a pain, it could be a joy. It's a wow moment, a mystery moment, something that just reminds you that we are more than just the next moment. Yeah? All have moments like that. See the sunrise, you go, wow, we're part of something bigger than this. See the sunset, whatever. Whatever it is, it can be all sorts of things, okay? But we could carry on, you can carry on just walking along if you want and ignore them. So you can walk past all the burning bushes in your life. No problem. Or you can see them for what they are, which is an invitation. That's what Jesus was saying. The time has come. There's an invitation. The kingdom of God is near. There is an invitation for you to step in to what God wants to do in your life and in your world. And we tend to look at it like this. You can go on a journey that helps you step in. First thing is what Moses did. What was the first thing that he did? He observed. Yeah, he noticed. He noticed. He noticed. He went, oh my word, there's something weird going on there. Then he said, I'm going to get myself deeper into this. I'm going to turn aside. He observed, and then for want of a a word, he reflected. He went a little bit deeper. And one of the things you've heard us, as we've talked about this tool over the years, is that the next stage is to discuss it. Moses only had God to discuss it with, and it's an interesting conversation that ensues, and we'll look at, look at uh, that uh, another time. But you might discuss it in different ways. You might discuss it by looking at Scripture. You might discuss it by chatting with people that you're accountable to. You might discuss it by thinking about your own experience. There are different ways that you can, that you can access, reflect on what's going on in that moment. What's God leading you into? And that, all of this side, yeah, is the repent side. It's all about what's going on on the inside. It's all about what God is saying. It's all about, can I line my heart, my mind, and my heart uh, in, in line with what God is saying, with what God is doing? And then there's the belief part around the other side, and we'll look at that another time. But then you can make a plan, you can act upon the plan, and you can ask people to hold you accountable for the plan, yeah? Um, and simply what happens is, is you've taken that moment, you've taken that burning bush, and you've allowed that burning bush to do what the burning bush was there for in the first place. You've allowed it to get your attention because God is using it to get your attention. And then you still carry on your own sweet way, but this time you've got a halo on your head because you're a little bit better and you're a little bit different and you're a bit more like Jesus. You can still carry on, but going round that, seizing the moment saying yes to the invitation helps us deal with our inner world. So that, that's the repent side. This is the belief side. And that's a really messy drawing. So I'm going to give you uh, a neater one, uh, which is that one there, which helps you see exactly the same thing in terms of the journey. Take a photograph of that on your phone, because if you don't, you'll never remember it. And if you don't even take a photograph, you won't stand any chance of doing it this week. But if you stand, take a photograph, there's a slim chance you might actually come back to it and do something about it. We can put that up at the end as well. So, where have we got to? Thinking about the journey of Moses, we want to live out of the depths, out of our deep place. That's what we want to do. We have to deal with the stuff that's inside. Solitude, solitude, helps us experience the spiritual law of gravity, which lets the stuff settle, 
stop, settle, see. And then we can begin to deal with it. All right? Coming out of your times of solitude, which is why I've said to you, honestly, just learn Learn solitude and silence. Don't try and do stuff. Don't try and complicate it. Don't try and, 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 and think of all sorts of things to do. Just try and sit with yourself. Just yourself and God. Go, as it were, to the far side of the wilderness and get used to being there. That's a spiritual discipline. And, and you'll go to the far side of the wilderness and you'll see nothing. You'll feel nothing. You'll think this is pointless. But over time, your senses get recalibrated. Over time, you begin to tune into yourself. Over time, you begin to tune into God. Over time, you begin to hear things in the stillness that you didn't hear before. You know the stillness of the night? And then you sit really quiet and you listen and you hear all sorts of things that you thought weren't there. It's just quiet. You with me? Step outside in the country. It's silent. And then you pause and you hear your breathing. And then suddenly you realize it's not as silent as you thought. Your ears tune into the noise. Yeah? And you hear the owl. You hear the fox, you hear the lion that's about to eat you. You hear all that stuff in the countryside, yeah? Because you've kind of tuned in and settled down. Keep doing that. We've got to do this. This has got to be a rhythm. This is not like for a few days. I mean, Moses did it for a few years, yeah? So we've got to lean into this spiritual discipline. But then to help us, when you get to the end of your time of solitude, try that tool. What's the moment? Think of a moment where God might be getting your attention. As you come out of five minutes, ten minutes of solitude, what's the one thing that you're thinking about? I'm thinking about that person. I'm thinking about what happened to me yesterday. I'm thinking about the way I feel about what's about to happen to me tomorrow. I'm thinking about my mother or my father that died years ago. I'm thinking about, it can be all, yeah, don't analyze it, just accept it. That's what's there. That's part of, you, who you are in that moment. But that is for you a burning bush. It's a grace of God because it gives you the opportunity to go on a journey which helps take you to a deeper, richer place with him. And you go, how do I do that? That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Or it's a way to do it. Begin to observe, begin to reflect, begin to discuss and allow what God is saying. So the, the kind of, if you like, the right-hand side is what is God saying, and the left-hand side is what am I going to do about it, which are two questions that we live with as our discipleship questions. And what you'll discover, what you'll discover is that the burning bush was the way that God got your attention, and something rich and deep came out of it every time as we begin to encounter him in the deeper parts of our lives. That's the journey. That's the invitation. And that's why these verses in the beginning of Exodus are so important. And it's kind of clever that Jesus picked them up, isn't it? Jesus obviously read the Old Testament, and uh, that's what he launches in with as he starts his ministry. All good stuff. Let's pray. Father, I can only imagine the burning bushes in my life that I've missed, that I haven't seen yet. Or maybe I'm thinking of a burning bush that I saw, but I never really turned aside. I never really 
investigated. I never really pressed in. Help me this week to cultivate enough solitude and silence. To cultivate enough time at the far side of the wilderness. Where I can see the burning bush that you are getting my attention with. And thank you that every single time you get my attention, even if it's about tough things or hard things or difficult things, it's always for my good, for my freedom, for my healing, for my growth, that I might become more the person that you've made me to be. It's always an invitation For me to become more alive. So I'm asking. That all over our lives. You would give us sensitivity. To see the bush that is burning, but never getting burnt. The invitation that keeps coming to step more fully into the kingdom of heaven. And when we think of where Moses began, the dysfunction of trauma of his family, his upbringing, his anger, his shame, his guilt, his running away from himself, to the place where we will eventually see him, learning the rhythm of encountering you and engaging with the world. May we, like him, learn the principle, the significance of the burning bushes in our lives. Let's be still for a moment. We're going to sing in a moment as uh, Simone and the others lead us. And it's a song that talks about God being worthy of it all. Sometimes that we think when we're at the far side of the wilderness that we've found ourselves in a place that's far from God and yet he shows up as a reminder that all of our life is from him and for him. And so we choose to give him all that we are. And we can only give him 
what we've discovered of ourselves. We can't give him what we don't know. We can't ask him to touch what we can't name. We can't ask him to fill what we've got closed. So we open up our hearts. Giving God permission to awaken us to those bushes that are burning and yet not burning at all. You might want to sit, you might want to sing, you might want to find some space. Father, take us to the far side of the wilderness. Take us to Mount Horeb, the place where water gushes from the rock, the place where forgiveness is freely given, the place where the glory of God fell. Take us to that place, we pray, that we might be forever changed.